times in doing this work in the independent media, I find that my academic background is a real plus. Most of you know me as someone with a psychological and statistical background. I've written courses in both, but I have also, also have degrees in history and sociology. And I find that history and sociology really go a long way towards answering a lot of historical questions about our economy. In fact, what I'm going to give to you sounds like it comes out of an economics book, but it doesn't. It comes out of a sociology book I used in the 101 class I used to teach. And the book was authored by Daniel Hanson, tremendous author, great, great compilation of sociological concepts. But they had a chart in that book and they had a follow up on that book that described how the United States never had to have an income tax until it was introduced in 1913. And I think you'll find this to be a little more than interesting. And then you'll understand why I push for gold as much as I do. Before the income tax, people wonder, well, how did America pay its bills? Was it such a small nation that it didn't matter what uh, they did economically because they didn't need to raise that much money. We had a very small standing army in peacetime, and and uh, we, we basically had little industrial development. Well, that's not the case. Starting in about 1870 to 1890, America became an economic juggernaut, so that's not true. Also, America found its need for social services increased greatly during that time because people moved from farms to cities, and some people didn't make it. And there had to be a form of welfare to take care of the ones that did not. So that's not entirely true, too. But America still met its needs. In fact, there is a chart on page 412 of Hanslin's sociology book that shows the value of a dollar. And beginning in 1800 and continuing to 1913 with some ups and downs, some peaks and valleys, they found that a dollar in 1800 was still worth a dollar in 1913. And we're going to talk about here in the remainder of this broadcast why that's not true today. My name is Dave Hodges. I'm the host of the Common Sense Show. We are the show that is freeing America, one enslaved mind at a time. When you're done listening to this broadcast, you're going to say, I need to be in gold. I can help you with that right now. Noble Gold IRA one of the best investments out there. It's certainly one that's better than leaving the bulk of your cash in the bank where you're going to lose it someday because right now the banks and the nation are using MasterCard to pay off their Visa bill next month and then they use their Visa to pay off their MasterCard. Well, we can get you out of that mess. Noble Gold IRA can be accessed or at least the information can be accessed by calling 877-646-5347. That's 877-646-5347. You'll get a free buying gold guide and these people are, you'll talk to are really, really good. They're not going to pressure you. In fact, they'll tell you if it's not right for you. The link for Noble Gold is in the description box. Well, why do I want to push you to Noble Gold? Here's why. From 1800 to 1913, the American economy was firmly rooted in the gold standard. We stayed, we you know, we had a little bout that we tried with silver. That didn't work. Went into a quick uh, depression came out of it by back, going back on gold, and that was in the 1890s. But effectively, for 113 years, a dollar retained its value. We even survived the onslaught of the Second National Bank until Andrew Jackson did away with that. How did America pay its bills? Well, very quickly, America was run by very frugal people, 
And our expenditures, in government speaking, never exceeded our income. In fact, it was quite the opposite. We had a surplus in most years. How did they do it? Excise taxes, taxes on foreign imports, tariffs. You say, gee, we don't do that too much anymore. We've just heard that the left is really upset with Trump for doing that today. Exactly. So what changed? Well, during the Roosevelt administration in the early 1900s, that would be Teddy Roosevelt, followed by the Taft administration, there was a lot of pressure from the growing corporations that were now becoming multinational corporations like Standard Oil, that they wanted to take their operations offshore to take advantage of cheap labor and lower taxes. And they didn't want to be taxed as an import bringing their product back into the country. The notion of free trade agreements was born in the Taft administration. And a lot of people aren't even aware of that. They think that NAFTA was the first. No, NAFTA was a formalization of some of the things that were already going on. But free trade agreements have been with us for well over 100 years. Well, to further this, the globalists realized at the time, and there was a move towards globalism at this time, and it really emerged in the 1920s with the Council on Foreign Relations created by John D. Rockefeller. But the concept here was really intriguing. And what do I mean by really intriguing? Well, they wanted cheap labor, they wanted no imports, and their profits would skyrocket, which they have in the modern era. And to do that, they realized this would create an income deficit for the United States government because they would lose money on tariffs and excise taxes that had paid the bills for over 100 years. So the Federal Reserve was formed in the same year that the graduated income tax was brought in. Now, isn't that interesting? The Federal Reserve and the graduated income tax the first, the same year. That's no coincidence. That was by design. And it was designed by the, as one great author said, the creature from Jekyll Island, the Federal Reserve, was created. And you know, they even told the people when they passed the income tax law, it's voluntary. Hey, it's okay. And really look at the rich rates. They're going to pay this much. You're only going to pay this much. And people bought this BS hook, line, and sinker. Remember, when the government brings in a tax, and don't care how low they bring it in, then they can pretty much do what they want with you when you allow that tax to come in. Remember that as we allow carbon taxes into our daily lives. So that was the beginning of the end for the American economy. Now, the globalists soon realized, oh, gee, you know how people are compensating for this? They're buying gold. They're getting away from the dollar. We own the dollar and the Federal Reserve. We need them to use the dollar. We don't want them in gold. So they collapsed the economy for the Depression, and they convinced President Franklin Roosevelt in 1932 to basically take America off the gold standard. That allowed the government to go into debt, and this provided a double advantage for the globalists who were running the economy at this time. And I'm talking about Westinghouse, I'm talking about you know who the Carnegies and, and the Rockefellers and the people who were the early industrialists, or should I call them the robber barons that they were. This allowed them to get the hooks into the government because the government would now give them work projects on borrowed money that they couldn't otherwise afford. And the New Deal was a classic example of this. Are we starting to see a familiar picture emerge here? Well, Nixon absolutely killed the gold standard 
in the early 1970s. But effectively, we're off of it anyway. But what saved the economy? Something had to come in and back up the dollar, or surely we would have hyperinflated within the 70 years that most economies last without being backed up by gold. Well, we had the petrodollar in 1944 at the Bread and Woods Conference here in the United States. The globalist bankers and leaders of the day said the U.S. will be the reserve currency through the dollar. And anyone, and most people would be industrializing, who would need to buy petro, which all industrializing nations would, would first have to purchase the dollar before they could purchase oil. And that was called the petrodollar. Well, Russia and Iran about seven years ago, started the BRICS nation, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. It's grown, and they have bypassed the petrodollar in favor of direct gold purchase for oil from Iran. That's what this crisis is all about. So if you wonder what the coming war with Iran and Syria are all about, it's about preserving the petrodollar. Now, the Federal Reserve is also hedging their bet. They're opening up their own Bitcoin, which is a way of kind of like stepping into gold, but not really, which would really send a bad message to the world's financial markets. So they're disguising, they're sidestepping a failing dollar by going to Bitcoin. And they're also purchasing gold, too, but not to the level that they would need to maintain themselves. And I'll tell you, there's going to be massive bank failures because all banks can't do what they're doing right now. Well, that kind of brings us up to date right now about how the United States economy got into the mess we are. We're going into spiraling debt because we basically have nothing backing up our money. The petrodollar is in decline. In fact, you wonder what the wars with Iraq were about. Saddam Hussein tried to do business with France and Germany, and they used euros to buy uh, Iraqi oil. And we says, oh, no, 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 can't do that. And you got weapons of mass destruction. We're invading you tomorrow. And that's what that war was all about. So when we look at this now, let me go back to the fundamental question. Before income tax, how did the U.S. pay its bills? And then as a corollary to that question, we could ask the question, why aren't we still doing this? Because we used to have a real healthy economy. You know, when the, the turn of the 20th century, 1899 to, to, to 1900, do you realize the American economy was ranked second or third, depending on the figures you read, in the world? And we didn't have an income tax. Everything was backed by gold. See, we could go back to that now. And I've talked about this before, but there's only one answer. We have to repudiate the unpayable debt. $1.5 quadrillion can't pay that off. Okay, we have enough trouble right now with the $22 trillion annual deficit that we have. So what do we do? We have to do debt repudiation. We have to go back on the gold standard at that point immediately. That will cause a contraction in the economy. Yes, there'll be some deflation, but it's kind of the pain you got to go through to make up for the excesses you went through earlier. When one goes off drugs, there is a withdrawal period that's painful. And that's exactly what I'm talking about here. I had high hopes that Trump would make enough deep state arrests when he came into power that he'd be able to initiate some of these changes and negate the influence of the Federal Reserve. And to his credit, he has battled the Federal Reserve. But unfortunately, he is so outnumbered and he is so sabotaged within his own administration, he's not made much headway. And every time Trump made progress with the economy, the Federal Reserve in the last year raised interest rates, which is a death blow to a healthy economy. 
because they were trying to destroy what Trump was building. They don't want American populism. They want you, well, they want really, if you read their literature, they want 90% of you dead through depopulation through various means. But even leaving that aside, they don't want prosperity for you. They're not interested in your prosperity. They're interested in your economic servitude, both as a nation and individually. And the way that they obtain that is through the creation of massive debt, debt you can never get out of. So therefore, you can never leave the plantation, so to speak. Exactly. You've got it. They've made us into economic slaves. And I'm just giving you the formula to get out. And until we find a leader who is willing to lead a charge against these people, and it might become a civil war, I don't know. But until we have that, we are going to be economic slaves to these people. And we're going to go through what I talked about in the earlier broadcast, where 55% of Americans cannot afford one small economic crisis. And most of Americans who work at entry-level jobs can't even afford a one-bedroom apartment. I went through all that in the last broadcast. If you didn't catch that, you may want to listen to it. That's where we're at today. We are in a horrible economic state. And no, this is not Trump's fault. He's controlled what he can control. This is all Federal Reserve, all globalist bankers. Well, that's it for the Common Sense Show. Thank you so much for joining us. Please share this on your social media. Don't forget about the Noble Gold offer. It's absolutely fantastic. 877-646-5347. We'd also ask that you would consider joining our Patreon movement, which small donations go a long way towards helping us meet our goals. And people say, well, how much, Dave? I don't want a lot from an individual. Small donations, one, two, five, ten dollars a month really help us collectively meet our obligations here at The Common Sense Show. And if you haven't signed up for our newsletter, you can simply go to thecommonsenseshow.com and the sign-up link is very distinguishable. And as a reminder, we're also on KHNC 1360 AM in Colorado. Every Wednesday, Paul Martin and I broadcast from 10 to 12 p.m. That's 12 noon, 10 a.m. to 12 noon, Wednesdays. And we're going to have a link on the website in the next week or two. But until then, you can go directly and listen live right off their website. Uh, it was a fantastic show, really. They give us full freedom to do whatever we want. No censorship there. We'll see you next time. Thank you again for joining us. Please share this far and wide.